0: Welcome to Great Big Table. We're a podcast about expanding the board game hobby and playing more games with more people. I'm Adrian.
1: And I'm Jim. And we're the hosts of Great Big Table Podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be slightly different than our previous format. Because instead of focusing on a number of games we've played and games that might work in specific situations or ways to introduce games to different communities, we're going to focus on a single game. And that game is...
0: Therapy, the board game.
1: I think it's actually Therapy the Game, right?
0: Oh, Therapy the Game, yes. Yeah,
1: it's Therapy the Game. And the reason why we're focusing on Therapy the Game is, in a roundabout way, Therapy the Game is what brought us into the board gaming hobby. Even though it's a game we don't particularly like very much.
0: And we haven't played in years. We haven't
1: played in years. We got into the board game hobby over ten years ago, and it was one of the first games that brought us into a hobby game store, and that's where we found all these other games. And as an homage to therapy, we've tended to mention it at least once in every episode so far. And as a result of that...
0: It seems like we have drawn some people into our web. We have convinced some people in far off Baltimore, Maryland to buy a copy that was sitting on a thrift store shelf.
1: And we didn't actively convince them. They just heard us mentioning how bad we thought this game was <laughs> and didn't work in our situations that we were trying to use it in. And, uh, saw it at a thrift store, decided to pick it up and did us a kindness by recording a, a review and their thoughts on Therapy the Game with them being a little bit closer to it than our 10 plus years away from our impressions.
0: So thank you very much to Bruce, Rocky, Maureen, and Chris, the party game cast who produce The Party Game Cast.
1: It's a podcast that I'm a fan of. I I am addicted to many podcasts, uh, many board game and gaming and game theory and game design podcasts. But I really enjoy theirs because it's a niche podcast about party games and examining party games and seeing whether they're any good or not and discussing in which situations they might work best for you. And I use party games a lot in our community game night and in my gaming group where I am trying to expand the board game hobby. So it's really nice to have a group to bounce ideas off of. I call them all the time on their uh, party game party line, I guess. What a good name. So, so it's really nice for them to uh, do this and send us this audio. And we're going to take their nice, clean audio that they make with their nice studio equipment, and we're going to rip it apart as far as cutting it in and doing our own editing and interject our commentary, kind of like a DVD track or a mystery science theater.
0: Right. So please realize that any faults in the audio are ours. Yeah, and my,
1: and my poor editing skills. Uh, What we will try to do is release the unedited version of their review of Therapy as Episode 5A.
0: So you can see the beautiful file that they sent us. And for any, like, archivist bibliographic nerds, it's out there. There you go. I I would be included in that. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think that's a pretty good introduction. We're going to skip a lot of what we usually do. And, again, for the the full citation crowd, if you want to hear the story of how Therapy... Play, played a role in us becoming more hobby gamers um I think that's back in episode zero episode zero so where we just kind of give
1: our uh gaming background
0: yes the origin so, story of these board game superheroes
1: so uh without further ado let's take a listen to the review that Bruce and the party game cast sent us so let's go ahead and get to the table'll we'll show you what to play
2: new ideas so you can party, party away hey great big table podcast listeners this is the party gamecast featuring the party gamecast I'm your moderator Bruce
3: I'm rocky hi I'm Maureen hello and I'm Chris
2: hey hey Chris uh today we decided for fun to play the party game therapy the game which we had heard about quite a bit here on the great big table the game came out in 1986. And if everything they say on Board Game Geek is correct, it was designed by J. Tittle. T I T E L, J. Tittle.
3: Are we allowed to say that on air?
2: Um, I hope we are. If not, it's their job to cut it out, not ours. Just checking. So we're just going to send it over, and if they keep it, they keep it, I say. Thanks, Mr. Tittle. Thank you, Mr. Tittle.
1: Which, if you think about it, is an appropriate name in a Freudian sense for a game about psychiatry.
0: Particularly one we called Slightly Salacious. That's right, and had
1: all the things about Fantasize.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, you know, when I heard the name, it, it really kind of struck me as a pseudonym or a monoclef for someone who just doesn't want to take credit for the game. Kind of like how Hollywood directors, when they wanted to disown a product, they would list it under Alan Smithy. Um, it struck me as a very similar thing.
1: And, and, and actually, for those that are bibliographic inclined, and there's more on this later, uh, <laughs> check out the Wikipedia entry for Alan Smithy. It's, it's
0: hilarious! It's <laughs> fascinating. Um one of the things I noticed when I looked up J. Tittle, because, and I think it may actually be title, it's T-I-T-E-L. Um, when I looked, I thought, since they list on Board Game Geek, Therapy, The first edition, which is what Bruce and Rocky and Chris and Maureen have just played, they list that with the creator of Jay Tittle. When you look up Therapy the Second Session, which is the edition that we owned, which was published ten years later in 1996 by Pressman, not the one I played in high school.
1: Yeah, you remembered fondly the one from high school. I remember very
0: fondly the 1986 edition, but I didn't remember it well enough when we bought the 96 edition to know if there had been any major revisions in the questions. But when we bought that second edition of... The second session, and when I looked up that edition on Board Game Geek, it's uncredited, and that's even more of an Alan Smithy. Yeah, I think that, I
1: think uncredited is probably the board game equivalent of Alan Smithy.
2: We played this game now. The board—it's a roll and move game. Surprise! Surprise! The questions are about different parts of development. It's like what is it—childhood, and adulthood, and adolescence. Seniority.
3: Cosmos.
2: And then Cosmos.
0: The afterlife.
2: And it's a roll and move where you roll from your particular
1: office. So this game is about, is essentially about competing therapists passing patients around between their offices. That's messed up if you think about it. <laughs> and if you consider the time it was made, perhaps we're missing the message of the game. I bet it was probably begun as a social critique of the state of psychiatry or psychology in the 80s and 90s.
0: Well, my sneaking suspicion is, if we dug down to the bottom of J Tittle, we might find a graduate student in the field or someone who is actually a professional, and that that fuels some of my, you know, Alan Smithy theories. Mm,
1: The mystery of therapy, the board, the game,
0: and it won't be the first one that we run into. Uh, But more on that later.
2: Around the board, uh, some of the spaces you'll be you'll be asked a question about that particular area, and if you're right, you get a pin. Uh, One of the things to be noted are the pieces in this game. They're tiny little couches.
1: They look like boxcars.
2: Or beds. Beds. Yeah, they they look more like beds. And they take six pins like the Game of Life. So they took the second best thing about the game of life. Uh, The first, of course, being the totally sweet spinner. They took the thing where you put little guys in, which I think is pretty cool. Well, I think the
0: centerpiece they chose of the spiraling staircase is also kind of cool. I wish it actually spun, but it's kind of cool. It's funny they mention life, because when you're playing this game, you do get the feeling this may have been prototyped on a life board.
1: Yeah, and it makes you wonder maybe if it just wasn't cost effective for them to turn the center into the spinner. And then we also thought that the metaphor of the couch in that sense, if the couch is really just the the cars from life.
0: Right. Uh, The couch really is kind of mystifying when you think about it, because in life, here you are, you're driving your car and you get married, so one more person gets into your car and then you add a child. And so I'm not exactly sure who's getting on the couch with you in, in therapy. I'm not exactly sure what that represents. Does it mean... You have in some way united with your childhood self and now that person gets to ride with you. It's just a little bit too out there for me. So, um, well, the pieces are fun, the metaphor is very strange. And it's also kind of a choking hazard for the, the parents of two-year-olds.
1: <laughs> I, I still call it a leftover prototype.
2: That is the other thing to be noted. At times in this game, you can be sent to the center of the board, where the next turn you will roll a dime, you will end up in someone's psychiatrist's office, and that area is just a winding staircase down to, I guess, your deepest most thoughts. Psychosis.
0: Oh, no. You know, I always thought the staircase went up.
2: I never saw you as a staircase goes up kind of person. (laughs) Neither did I. (laughs) So part of the game, you answer questions, and if you get them right, you get the pin in your area. Ouch! Uh, sometimes it's a gamble. You can either answer the question, if you get it right, you get the pin. If you get it wrong, you go to psychosis, where you're gonna roll a die and see whose psychiatrist office you end up in.
1: Now, that's how I wanna pick my mental health professional. <laughs> In other parts of the game, you're
2: in someone's psychiatrist's office. When that happens, you're going to have to answer a therapy question, which are often the deep, dark secrets you've heard about here, asking about fantasies or on from a 1 to 10 scale, what do you think of your sense of humor?
1: I'm definitely a 10.
0: No comment.
2: And if you are in the therapy office of somebody playing the game, they will alone answer your question. The fun part is if you end up on a group therapy space or an unowned office in which case it becomes group therapy which we had a lot of we had quite a bit of group therapy uh group therapy works like this the one person who is in the therapist's office will be writing down the answer to whatever the question is and then everybody else will discuss what they think that person's
1: answer was
0: that's not awkward
1: let me get this straight you're going to get asked a psychologically probing kind of question And then everyone around in the group is going to discuss your possible answer in front of you. I sure hope there aren't any inflammatory questions in the mix.
3: For instance, if you were to fall back and someone were to catch you, which person playing with you would wait to the last second to catch you? So that's the great thing to
2: discuss here. When you get that as a group question, not only does one person have to answer that by saying, hey, I think the one of you that is a jerk is, but then the other three people must discuss, in our game four people, but all of the other people must then discuss which one of the people at the table they think is the biggest jerk.
0: I'd probably be thinking of the person who brought the game to the table.
1: <laughs> not coincidentally. Which was Bruce? Yeah. yeah, it was Bruce.
2: Yeah, everyone had decided. I thought maybe it wasn't me. Chris got the question. I thought Chris would go with his fiancé, trying to be funny. Everybody's like, "No, clearly it's you." And they, d- I had to be one of the doctors. I had to agree, and that's how we got a pin. That's the other fun thing.
1: You keep on using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means.
2: If you are going through group therapy, the person who is cured gets to decide which person will get a pin and get to put it into their car. Normally. If you answer it's just your office, you get the pin because you are the doctor that cured the patient. If it's a group, the patient gets to decide which one of the doctors will get the pin, which is the only way I scored pins and almost won the game. I got the pity pin because I was behind, so everybody would give them to me, and then after a while, everyone had six but Bruce, and Bruce almost got six pins.
3: Maybe that is kind of a... A cute little therapy thing, because, you know, everyone's a winner, Bruce. Everyone is a winner! Right, and even if you don't know any of the answers, you can still be in the running. (laughs) Yes, I can, and I was! We think you're special. Because
2: I am! There you go. Woo! Now, that does make the game go along pretty quickly, because if someone manages to get the group therapy, everyone's going to have a shot to get the pins, So essentially in everyone's turn, the other fun thing is is that if you are the patient that landed in the office and you do get cured, you roll the dice and you get to keep moving around the board. The other interesting thing is if you don't get cured, so if you decide you're going to be a jerk and give some ridiculous answer nobody can come up with, the next turn you have to do it again and again and again, and then if you're not done, hey, how about one more time? So you're going to
3: stay in that office until you get cured. I found this game was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be because it seemed like very dry, kind of clinical. So let's talk about the development of childhood, something, something. But you actually learn some things about your fellow players, whether you wanted to or not. And it kind of opened some dialogue and things and stuff. I was really terrified. Um, I thought someone was going to leave crying or something like that, but it was actually surprisingly a lot of fun.
2: I love this game, and I actually would play it again. I think it's a great way to learn some things about, you know, maybe some friends of yours you may not know. Like, you know, who's most likely to want a massage? Me! <laughs> or, or who would likely uh, sleep in a coffin at night, which would be me. And I, I like the little pieces. I like putting pegs in pieces. I like that part about life. Um, I would play this game again and again. And I have to say, we did learn that both Maureen and I do not want people to touch us.
3: No, not, no touch. <laughs>
2: Whereas Rocky and Chris perfectly okay with it, which
3: I find weird. Nice. I like, no, it's nice. It's good, I like it.
0: At this point, I should probably qualify that the game they're playing is the first one I ever played, which is the 1986 edition. And the one we owned was the 1996 edition called Therapy the Second Session. So... We're not 100% sure what the differences are. Actually, we're probably not even 2% (laughs) sure what the differences are between editions. So we could be comparing apples to oranges. We don't have a copy anymore, so we could be comparing apples to apples, too.
1: Most likely, I think we're comparing apples to grapples or apples to graples. And if you don't know what a graple is, (laughs) it is an apple that has been injected with grape flavoring.
0: Artificial grape, artificial flavoring.
1: grape flavoring, and they're they're around here. They're weird. In other words, <laughs> you make it sound
0: like they're lingering around the house, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. creeping in the bushes. They are.
1: So in other words, yeah. Which is to my point, it's just as likely that the second edition is just some sort of Frankenstein edition of the set of the first one that the that the party game class played. I think they're more similar than you expect, but if there's any differences, it's a weird one but not outside the scope of the game.
0: Okay, I I think, really, I agree with a lot of the facts of the Party Game Pass praise. but in this instance, I interpret many of the same things as a staircase-goes-down kind of girl.
1: Would you love the first edition?
0: I did love the first edition, and I played it in my friend's basement with a couple of close friends, and it was really interesting at the time because we were like 14 to 17-year-old girls, and... It was just fun to talk about ourselves, and, <laughs> and um you know, it, it, it opened a lot of dialogue, it was fun, we had a lot of time on our hands.
1: So I call nostalgia though. I think that's probably what you liked about it. Now, I mean looking back, would you think this, that the game was good now?
0: I don't think that's a fair measure necessarily. I, I had a lot of fun with it then. And I think one of the things that really works is when, and I think Party Gamecast had this when they played. They had a real peer-to-peer dynamic. That's true. And the unfortunate thing is when we bought this game, we were not anymore in a peer-to-peer playing situation. That's true. And because it really hamstrings you. That's
1: true because we were newly married and we got jobs working at the college where we graduated from. So a lot of our friends had graduated and moved on and then we were stuck in sort of a limbo where a lot of our colleagues were professionals within the university who were much older than us. And then we had students coming up below us who were younger or we couldn't see each other as peers anymore because we now work for the system, the university system.
0: System. We work for the the man. (laughs) We are the man.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, so we had these weird dynamics. And then we were trying to, we originally bought it as a way to uh, have like icebreaker with middle school students and that or with students that we've mentored through college so both of those have strange non-peer relationships that you might not want to bring this game out for
0: and you in a family setting it didn't work very well either this isn't necessarily the kind of game you're going to want to play with just any aunt or uncle or younger cousin you know this this game has probing questions and you know it goes back to Freud there's sort of this fascination with sex and sexuality and and it just makes it incredibly awkward
1: (laughs) well I don't know yeah I don't know who are you gonna want to tell if you're working with students say you're the jerk Right. Oh, that's
0: true. Yeah, no,
1: that's not going to work out very well. Or, you know, if you're... I still see as a high school student, if you were lucky that you were playing with friends that looked at each other in an equal setting, put that in a mean girl setting or a mean boy setting, and yeah, it's like... We weren't mean girls. Profiling. Yeah. Yeah, so, and
0: and I think you get into some of those problems if you're playing this in a game where you don't know the other people. I think you really hit a problem if you're coming to a table where you're sitting down with a whole bunch of people you just met that night... You're going to hear a lot about first impressions. You're going to hear a lot about people's biases. And I could see walking away from the table thinking, man, that guy, what a what a tool.
1: Yeah, and I think you put it best when we were talking about this earlier. And you said, maybe it's a good getting to know you better game and not a good getting to know you
0: game. I I think it would be a terrible getting to know (laughs) you game. And the other problem with it, and they hit on this a little bit before um, where they were talking about how – you get stuck in an office if you can't come to a meeting in the minds with a therapist. You can get trapped inadvertently or, as you read online, people do it intentionally. Yeah,
1: I looked in the board game geek thread and one of them said, is is it me or is there a trapped in the office strategy? Which is a terrible mechanic because when I looked at the rules, if you land an opponent and underline this, an opponent therapist office, uh, you can be a patient <laughs> and the opponent becomes your therapist. He takes the top therapy card and reads it aloud. secretly write your answer, and he writes down what he thinks your answer will be. If the answers match, then the therapist cured you and you choose the peg of any color uh, for his couch. And then you can roll the die and move again. But if they don't match, you have to stay there and work with the same therapist again. Again, I really do think...
0: Turn this... after turn. It just sounds really painful.
1: And I, I, again, I think it's a good metaphor. <laughs> I think maybe someone is critiquing uh, mental health professions all the time. Uh, but either way, it's a bad mechanic.
0: Well, and and there are two other faults with the game. And I think... Maybe with longer married couples, this this would come up more. The game we we played um, Scribbles and Scruples is a good example of the game that you kind of label divorce game.
1: Yeah, Rob Davio. I heard a recent uh, interview with Rob Davio, and uh, he is a designer. He used to work for Hasbro. Uh, he's kind of out on his own now. Uh, he had an interview with Board Game University. He talked about. Scruples, which he worked on as one of his first projects at Hasbro as a game, the divorce game or a game that could lead to really tense situations. So they had to put, you know, notices inside the rules saying it's just a game and they had to leave some new mechanics that allowed people to take it out so they didn't answer questions <laughs> <laughs> and have bad feelings for it. I think you can, you have to be careful with some of these games depending on the group you're working with.
0: And I I have to point this out. Even playing among peers, there's the question of cultural geography. You know, the East Coast and Baltimore, you guys are a a little bit tougher crowd than we are here in the Midwest. You know, in the Midwest, we're known for being really affable, friendly, open types. Our current city really takes that to an extreme. Within the last year or so, we've been labeled the fattest city in America. And, you know, I'm not going to argue we're like, Svelte, okay? <laughs> well,
1: I'm not svelte.
0: <laughs> we we are on the heavier end of the spectrum. I'll just admit it here. But how they determined we were the fattest city in America, we've never been determined that way before. When they look like the National Institute of Health goes through and they look at statistics coming out of communities, we aren't the fattest city in America. This survey was done by telephone. So we are the most incredulous community in America. Because when people call us up and say, "So, strangers, strangers call you and they say, "How much do you weigh?" You know, the rest of the country goes, "What?" and hangs up or lies. Well, I I weigh a dainty 110 um
1: or a muscular 150.
0: Yes. Oh, and we're lovely. You should see our children. Uh, <laughs> here at the epicenter of genuine Norman Rockwell sentiment. We say, honey, get the scale. There's somebody on the phone and they need to know our weights. Get the kids. (laughs) So if you can imagine playing with people who are just forthright and impulsively honest, almost compulsively honest, they're questions you don't want to really get the answers to. These are not the people you want to ask what the most embarrassing thing in their bedroom is
1: exactly now <laughs> they
0: love, will tell you <laughs>
1: they're lovely people we love living in the midwest but culturally this could be a problem with this game and it is a problem we found with this game
0: <laughs> yeah um and there there's some other games in this vein that, that really allow you to divulge to different degrees we replaced this game in our own collection with loaded questions for many years and it it was a little bit more it's should... open-ended, and you didn't have to choose a jerk. You know, that the question didn't pigeonhole, so you had to choose one person in the room for one thing. It didn't
1: ask you very pointed questions. that it, it asked you open-ended questions that then the people could choose what they wanted to divulge. And I think that flipping the mechanic just that slightly really makes all the difference. And there are similar games like that that we enjoy and have replaced loaded questions with, which include Say Anything and uh things humor in a box or just things i think it's called now so uh if you're looking for games that have these fun type of questions but a little bit more open-ended and also give you the opportunity to decide how much information you want to divulge or you could pass off the information so that they ask about you you could deflect the questions to inanimate objects and you could just try to be funny or you can try to be morose or whatever you want to be but those questions then are made up of answers that the the group is bringing to the table, not that's being pushed out from the game. And uh, I think it's a little less problematic.
2: Fair enough. So I have to tell you, listeners, I got this game at a thrift store for $4. My expectation was I would bring this to the GameCast, we would play it once, we would do this episode, and then I would
1: immediately take it to another thrift store.
0: Bruce, I love thrift shopping, but you guys have some hardcore thrift stores.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you can't take it back to the same one you bought it from. <laughs> that's rough.
0: Either better it speaks to the game. Maybe it sat there long enough, they're like, No, we're not taking that one again. You're the only person who's ever gonna buy that. Yeah, it took
1: us four years to get rid of that copy. There's no way we're taking it back. We've got shelf space to consider.
0: <laughs> maybe it's real estate values involved. Or maybe
1: maybe there's a, a city ordinance where you're only allowed to recycle one time per store.
0: Wow. We're in awe. We We probably would have just returned it to the same thrift store.
2: (laughs) However, I'm going to keep it. It's really kind of a fun game. I don't know if I'd play it with every group in every place. I don't know if there was a big party, if I'd necessarily take it with me to said party. But I have to save a couple people said, hey, we're having a game night and we kind of have this person or two that are going to show up. I might suggest, hey, I have this game from 1986 called Therapy. Let's give it a try.
3: Now, the the copy we have is a first printing, right? Yeah,
2: we have a first printing from 86. Apparently, it was printed a few more times. The other fun thing is on the questions that are true, false, or multiple choice, it gives you a full citation of where they got the answer from, all the way down to either the letter and line numbers or the pages. Woo-woo!
0: There There ain't no
1: no, way there is not any party like a librarian party because a librarian party cites all its sources.
3: That is kind of cool. However, we were discussing how accurate some of the information would still be if there's been new research. Things have changed. I don't know, but I don't think that really matters because it's fun. As long as you remember what era the game was made in and think about the questions that way, such as, what percentage of high school seniors smoke every day?
2: And I would find, like, if I asked that certain question and I thought maybe time will have changed the answer, I will look to see when exactly the study they cited was from and will tell the person, okay, just as a note, this is from a study from 1971.
3: I believe the answer was one in five in 1980-something, which is scary. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All joking aside, citations help make the game evergreen and fun.
0: Maybe we don't know what that word means. No,
1: I mean that it makes it so that you can keep playing the game outside of its printed era. So it's part of the fun is going back and looking at 1987, this was this, or 1986, this is how the world was. And it's kind of fun to try to guess what that was.
0: Yeah, plus, we're research nerds. Woo! 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 Bibliographic methods for the win.
2: But there you go. So looking at Therapy the Game, um, we're really surprised. It's not a bad game at all. I don't know if whatever collector prices
0: are I would pay. Collector pricing? <laughs> I should probably note that we paid full retail for the game.
1: I think it was $30.
0: Oh, that hurts. Look at Amazon today. It's like $55 with shipping. Please don't buy it from Amazon. but. If you must, use our links. (laughs) I sold this game at a kid's consignment sale, I think for four bucks, and felt blessed to get it out of the house. And
1: Bruce bought it for four bucks. To me, that points the universe trying to maintain some sort of therapy game cosmic equilibrium.
2: (laughs) But if you can pick it up at a thrift store for five, maybe even ten bucks, this might be a ten dollar game to bring out. I would certainly say it's a $5 game.
3: However, I'm not sure I want to be the doofus at a party of people I've never met and say, Hey guys, you want to play Therapy the Game? Yeah. Just because it sounds odd. Don't, Don't be, be that guy. guy. It's definitely a game I think you would want to play with people that you know, because it's asking questions, What would you know? who would be more likely to do something? Things like that.
2: But I would say if, for instance, you are part of a podcast where you constantly play party games... It is a fantastic diversion from all the normal party games you're going to run into. This kind of has a trivial pursuit thing, sort of bolted to kind of a really in-depth, almost apples-to-apples kind of thing where you get to compare answers in some kind of weird way. There's a couple things working here, and really, much to my surprise, they work out. They work together. Agree.
3: Totally agree. I, yes. w- I would play it again. Oddly enough.
2: There you go, great Big Table listeners. Here at the Party Gamecast featuring the Party Game Cast, we are really surprised to say this, but we would play it again. And if you either have a friend that has it or you can pick up a copy cheap, we say you play it too.
0: Okay, Party Game Cast. I wouldn't say this to anybody else. But if we ever meet up at the same place and you bring the game, we'd be happy to play it with you. Though it may be kind of a stairs-go-down experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so.
2: Thank you very much for listening. Once again, this is the Party Gamecast featuring the Party Gamecast. Uh, This is your moderator, Bruce.
0: I'm Rocky. I'm Maureen.
2: And I'm Chris. And thank you very much for listening.
0: As a podcast who's never received a phone call, we were bowled over that you would play a game that we repeatedly mock in every episode of our podcast.
1: I would characterize it more as giving a good-natured ribbing.
0: Yeah, but to receive this audio episode out of the blue was just delightful.
1: Yeah, and we really do credit therapy, the game, as bringing us in the board game hobby. So it does hold a special place in our gaming history. It's just something we like to make fun of like a kid brother we like to make fun of.
0: And part of GameCast, we love your show. We're we're faithful listeners.
1: Yeah, I call in all the time.
0: And I made Jim do snack brackets last time we were on a long road trip. We'd just buy whatever local snacks. We're available in the grocery store, whatever regional thing. Um, and we ended up having some really wacky chip flavors, and, but it was it was fun, wasn't it? Yes,
1: and to explain to our listeners, Snack Brackets was a March Madness thing that the Party Gamecast did where they matched up different chip flavors against each other to find the ultimate champion.
0: It's a wonderful idea. Listen to that episode on their show and do it yourself. I it's, can't recommend it highly enough. For our listeners who didn't already know the Party Gamecast... Uh, which is a Dice Tower Network podcast. podcast. Um, you can find Bruce, Rocky, Marine, and Chris regularly podcasting at thepartygamecast dot com, iTunes, and on Facebook.
1: Yeah, they also are on Twitter. I think it's Party Game Cast as the Twitter handle.
0: Right. So um, say hi to Bruce and Rocky. They're on Twitter, uh, or the whole group through their other ways. Thank you very much for sending us this episode.
1: Yeah, we loved it. We had a lot of fun listening to it. We listened to it a lot. And, uh, we had a really good time commenting on your commentary.
0: And in our next episode, we wanted to talk some about
1: gaming on a budget. So if you or any new listeners or any of our old listeners have any ideas on how they would, how you can stretch your board gaming dollar or make smarter board gaming purchases or make purchases that you feel like you get the most value for your your dollar. Let us know what your tips are. And you can do that by contacting us in a number of ways, which we'll go into in just a moment.
0: Give us a call. Send us an episode. That, hey, we really love that. <laughs> yeah, you can send us
1: a full episode. That'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> and just, just tell us what strategies you found for building your game collection or gaming, gaming on the cheap. Yeah. And yeah. we're
1: found in a number of places on the internet.
0: The great big table podcast is licensed under creative commons attribution not non-commercial, no-derivatives 3.0 license.
1: The My Favorite Game Console is a Table and Chairs image is released under Creative Commons Attribution Share alike license by Daniel Solis. If you like the image, head over to Daniel's blog at danielsolis.com and buy a t-shirt. If you buy a t-shirt, tell Daniel that Great Big Table Podcast sent you. We appreciate that Daniel shares his amazing work, and we hope that you do too.
0: You can find out more about the Great Big Table Podcast and subscribe to our feed by visiting our website at GreatBigTable.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at GreatBigTable. If you have any questions or comments, or you've just been screaming into your MP3 player for the last half hour, you can leave a message on our voicemail, 401. It is big. Also, 401-484-7244. Um, you can also call from your computer if you have a microphone by clicking on the Google Talk widget on our homepage.
1: If you have any questions or comments or want to send us an audio file, we would love your feedback. Just send it to podcast at greatbigtable.com. Do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It helps people find the show and we're planning on in our upcoming episodes to read any reviews that we receive, good or bad. This is Adrian and Jim
0: signing off. You'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks. Until then, let's all play some games.